Hey, so CWFP fans. Wow, already messed up about the game. <laughs> hey, CWFP fans. It's uh, your host here, Cam and Jory, and we're going to bring to you the opening of a new series that we're going to be doing, or a new, like, little sub-series here on CWFP, where instead of talking about the actual act of wrestling, we're going to be talking about wrestling-related media, like movies and games and uh, comics books i'm sure they exist they do there was for wrestlemania 34 okay so maybe we'll find pdfs of those and look those over and talk about those for 10 minutes or something but uh, remember remember how we said in the first episode we're gonna do it and then we never got around to tv show to uh movies and stuff well you know now that's the new identity i don't remember that actually yeah that's it's not a bad idea it's i'm glad it I, I guess I maybe forgot about it, and then we thought about it again, or you thought about it again. I think it was you. Um, um, we should uh, <laughs> we should go way, way back to, like, months before we had the podcast decided. What we were like, yeah, we should do one where, because, like, they have all the old Raws and stuff. We should, like, do cover, like, Raw, but also be, like, t- pretend we're from, like, 1997. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. Don't quote me on that, because I don't have the time to work on that. <laughs> That's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. That's a ton I, of work. That's th- writing. Yeah, I think that'd be good if we, like, if we covered the 83 weeks where WCW was dominating. I think that'd be a good time to, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe look out for that series. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll call that flashback or something. But this is this is the covering of wrestling related mo- uh, movies, documentaries, games, things like that. We'll come up with a name for it eventually. Maybe before this comes out to, to you in the meantime between recording and release. Um, but today we're going to be talking about the 1999 documentary by Barry W. Uh, Blaustein, who yeah. uh, wrote Coming to America. And The Nutty Professor. And The Nutty Professor. <laughs> it's called Beyond the Mat, and it focuses on the real, outside-of-the-ring, off-the-camera lives of professional wrestling wrestlers. Um, focuses on a, a, a few in particular. Uh, Terry Funk, Jake the Snake Roberts... McFoley, there's some stuff in there about ECW with Paulie dangerously. Hell yeah! So um, let's sort of kick off on a talking point. Kayfabe is dead. Kayfabe is dead. This did it. I I have heard before that this was like way worse than than any of the like the secret tips of wrestling you know those like tapes that you could yeah get order for like this was like entirely exposed to business which makes sense because there's a lot of scenes of like guys backstage talking to each other that are supposed to be on-screen enemies and like like, the rock being nice to to mick foley's kids and just yeah yeah like (laughs) seeing that 99 I doubt it ruined anybody's, like... It could have. I don't know. world was different. They could have been like, oh, shit's fake. Screw this, but... I, I feel like the kind... Even if you didn't... There, there's no way anyone over the age of, like, 15 at, in the 90s was thinking that it was real, right? I hope not. Um, I but mean, you, you never we, know. we go back to October twenty second, nineteen ninety nine. I am five years old, 
I am definitely watching wrestling with my mom and stepdad, and I don't, I can't remember which rumble it was where Mick Foley entered as all of his personas, Dude Love, Mankind, and Cactus Jack. Yeah. But as a kid, I knew that Mick Foley, Mankind, Cactus Jack, and Dude Love were all the same guy, but I still did not know that wrestling was scripted and predetermined. (laughs) That must be very confusing. <laughs> I, I That's think funny. I, I think I just figured it was. I mean, it's still like not that like his persona is like mankind is is his thing is like he's crazy. So like it's not yeah actually too bad that makes but, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. But I had like a book that was pretty that was like here's what Stone Cold was before he was Stone Cold. Here's what Triple H was before he was Triple H. Was oh, like, that's yep. cool. That's cool. I want to find um, what that book is. I also remember it had like. Uh, there's a section that had all the um, Dudleys in it, and it lists like all the Dudley family members. <laughs> oh, I need to see that. <laughs> yeah, so I had heard that it, it it was it was very upsetting to people in the wrestling industry. Vince McMahon when it first came out. Um, Why did he fucking agree to be on it? I have no idea. I'm, maybe he thought the guy was a wrestling fan so he was going to respect the sanctity of wrestling in the way that he wanted him to. Uh, but he was he was definitely showing, like, hey, this is... This is, uh... This is performance art. And, you know, they got to, you know, coordinate these things. And these there's actual pain that goes into this and, and everything. So, instead of kicking off, like trying to talk about it in order since the movie does jump around from from subject to subject a little bit um should we get the, like, talk smaller about stuff some... out of the way yeah so there's um what was the small promotion called i could not remember i cannot remember it was like all pro wrestling or something like that yeah and it, wasn't it ran by um what was his name roland was that the guy's name something yeah um just this kind of like it's kind of like bigger guy that run ran a promotion in um, the Bay Area, and talked about what running a small promotion was like. There's a scene when they're going through all the stuff, like he 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 talks to some guys who want to sign up for wrestling school because he runs a school in the promotion, and uh, there's a scene where he's he's talking to them and telling them you gotta you gotta you gotta pay, and then it sort of cuts to like an actual like show happening and one of the performers getting mad at like super mad at one of the audience members do you remember that <laughs> yeah <that's... laughs> that was scary as fuck I, I i i wonder what it was like going to independent like not like territory like the remnants of the territories because territories weren't reaching out to california as far as i'm aware uh i was no. mostly like a southern east coast thing but like an independent promotion going on in like the 90s had to have been especially during the peak of wrestling there was there had to have been so many dudes who were just like i have the body for it i want that wwf money i want i mean in like 98 99 you probably don't want you hope you get the wwf not the wcw money Um, (laughs) but uh the the thing that like I don't know if they intentionally framed it, but the guy who's running that promotion, he seemed sketchy. He says... This is something I wanted to make sure to bring up on this. He says... Um, when his guys get signed to bigger contracts with a WCW, ECW, WWF, he gets a percentage of their contract? 
what's the deal with that? Is that just how it used to be? I I wonder because that guy was running a wrestling school slash promotion. Yeah, so maybe uh, there's something with like talent, like management. Like maybe he's considered yeah. a manager then, or he, his promotion also, is considered manager. Yeah, and it didn't. Them. It seemed like the only reason he was able to get his two top guys into to have that like dark match tryout is because the director of this documentary was able to pull those strings for him. Probably, I, I don't know uh, Mr. Mister Blaustein's like, intentions, but I feel like that was more of like, this will probably be like good video if I can, yeah. if I can secure a tryout for these guys. And probably partially like good for these guys. Like I'm, yeah. I'm sure at the time, like exposure for this promoter for his school and then these two guys that are that are going on um basically the equivalent of main event in 1998 or 7 whenever this was this uh specific section of the documentary was filmed it'll be good for them to be on there because maybe they'll end up in the wwf or something which you know at the end they don't and it's the most interesting thing about this is seeing those two guys and they're like how hard they've worked and them talk about like it's all I've ever wanted to do and one of the guys works for Visa credit cards and he makes a lot of money there and he, you see him like cooking dinner with his fa- his mom and his dad that are like elderly in like a nice suit like he just got off work at his yeah. credit card job and then you know he it shows him like in the singlet like doing moves and stuff and then when they go to um, the WWF tryout, which was in Sacramento, this old Arco Arena. I've been to that arena like oh, did you twenty times. It? Yeah, that's where the Kings <laughs> used to play up until like 2015, 16. Nice. Um, so he or they 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 get there and they're they're talking to like people that like everybody knows who likes wrestling. They're talking to Jr. They're talking to Cordette. Yeah. They're talking to you know uh, Triple H and all these people, and it's like crazy like how that must be for them to like oh, yeah. watch these guys on tv and i want to be like them yeah and now i'm here kind of like with them there's a i'm gonna be in the ring they're in there's a, a a little thing that i don't know if if this was like super uh like intentional but after they had their match um i can't remember the big old black guy's name but he's like sitting in like the locker room area and mankind goes and talks to him yeah, like they talk a little bit, and I don't know if that's intentional from the director to like establish like, hey, this guy later in the movie, we're gonna show you how like exactly how good of a nice guy he is. But like that's that's really cool. Like right, into I bet the that movie was legit. That. Like I, I guarantee it was. Like he, I'm sure he did that. He's every he's the, seems to be the most, and this further shows like everything we see with Mick Foley across like any sort of wrestling medium. He just seems like a nice, genuine guy. Yeah, yeah. That's gonna be the theme throughout this episode. It's just like by the end of this, everyone who's listening is gonna love Mick Foley. Foley is God. <laughs> and when they're when they're at like the place, we see stuff like uh, Vince Russo talking to Sable about selling like a back injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm glad that's the only bits he had in the movie. <laughs> um, it's like Cornette. We saw. Cornette when he was working with WWE there, I heard him too because he was doing announce. He's doing like on-screen personality stuff for the Rumble that they talked about later. Um, but the the thing that like 
with the promoter that was weird the guy who's like he he's because he got like 20 percent of the contracts if they would have gotten signed when i i don't know who it was i it seemed like some like mid-card dude but um when the guy did his finish and then the guy in the back was like i'm gonna steal that <laughs> yeah oh man that yeah that was uh that was a little weird because <laughs> it was like it was like uh, he totally can steal that because this guy is not known but yeah <laughs> nowadays I feel like if if that happened where two unknown guys came in to like do something on like NXT or something Keith Lee or someone would walk up and be like hey can I use that or can you show me how to do that so I'm doing yeah. it right <laughs> they, they do their and everyone has like praise for him like Jim Ross is like Jim Ross tells the, the bigger guys like yeah you just need to bulk up bit a bit like yeah work on work on the muscles uh yeah very interesting to see the them watching the match through like the camera and like Cornette and and ross kind of calling what's gonna happen yeah um we get another scene like that a little bit later but um yeah unfortunately neither of them ever got called back by wwe but i'm sure the opportunity was cool i don't recognize either of them and i've never seen anything about them ever like breaking out big but i'm hoping that maybe i can find something later about them having like pretty good indie careers in the bay area and enjoying the wrestling that they did i feel like they they probably did an appearance for uh TNA maybe <laughs> yeah and they you know they totally could have come back when WWE was in the area to have a like yeah. a main event type match they just, you know, every time they yeah every time they come back here you know you want to check for doing what you know how to do come on in so and sometimes that relationship isn't bad to have that's yeah. I mean it obviously didn't work out for them in the most prolific way but like Gargano and Champa had those sort of things and look where they are now you know whenever wwe was in their town they'd call them to come be the what was what was gargano the 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 mayor of Liechtenstein or something yeah (laughs) champa was uh someone's lawyer and he got like attacked by uh the undertaker oh yeah champa with hair that's yeah weird yeah um the other small part that's a part of a, 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 a bigger thing. Well, let's talk about Puke first. Let's talk about uh, <laughs> Drozdov. So that's uh, like, that's what it starts off with, which I think is interesting. Because um, I feel like th- there's, I'm sure what the direction they're going is we're just going to get all the footage that they'll let us for these different things and then we'll piece together what we have. Because that's why. Like, we see, we don't, like, the the smaller guys, like, draws and both the ind- indie guys, we don't find out anything about them until the end. Mm-hmm. Again. Like, the indie guys, like, does a tryout, and then it stops talking about them for the rest of the movie until the end, where they're like, hey, they never got, they never heard back from WWF. Um, yeah. And, uh, with draws, he's, he's in a meeting with Vince McMahon, and Vince McMahon has learned that he can puke on... Mm-hmm. He can make himself puke. And... The meeting... is exactly how I imagined a Vince McMahon meeting would go. Yeah. He acts exactly how all the stories have... 
led up to <laughs> me, you know, like seeing this. It's exactly how I imagined. None of it's a caricature. So he learns that uh, Draws can puke on command, <laughs> which Draws was like a a, a college football player and like a practice squad bench player in the NFL, if, if I'm remembering correctly. Hmm. Um, and that didn't work out. So WWF seems good. You know, he can puke on command, weirdly enough. There, there, I think there was, like, short clips in there of him puking a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's super gross. But for Attitude Era, that's awesome, right? Like, that's such a good fit. Just a guy who can fucking puke. Like, yeah, that's smart to have. Um, I would hate to job out to him, but... <laughs> yeah, I'd hate to... Oh, you're working with draws tonight. No, I'm fucking not. I'm going back to the hotel. Uh, so, uh... <laughs> Vince is like, okay, we, you know, we've we've worked out terms. Can I? Let's let's see it. And um, then he's he starts. He gets the announcer voice going on as Draws is working up a puke. And he's, oh my god, he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna puke. He's gonna puke. Just God, he's such a fucking weird guy. But like, you know, that's the. It's it's not a good. It, it's not a bad way to like represent what it's gonna be like. You're gonna be worse you're gonna be in front of twenty thousand people going oh god he's gonna puke gross so like seeing if he could do it on demand not a bad i not a bad idea but it's that's that's a fucking hilarious scene just <laughs> he's gonna puke yeah just how into it he immediately gets <laughs> and that guy was named puke draws was was named wasn't he called puke while he's, he's in his short time he's puke for a little bit but i, I think he also went to draws as well yeah, and unfortunately, most people know the story about Draws. He, um, I, I mean, I, I might have, I may have seen a couple people blame D'Lo here and there, but D'Lo powerbombed him one time, and he became a paraplegic, yeah. which is unfortunate. You, uh, you know, back then, you know, physicals weren't great. Yeah. He might have had this from football for a long time, and... If it wasn't going to be D'Lo, it could have been Test. If it wasn't going to be Test, it could have been JBL, right? Like, it, it could have been anyone that that happened to. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's... I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, uh, that's that's what happens in wrestling. But back then, that kind of shit just happened because they were not safe entirely about people's bodies and doing physicals. Yeah. And, uh, you know, very, very, very... Uh, um, that's the word I'm looking for. Very um, apparent. There you go. Later on in the movie, when mankind takes eleven chair shots to the head, uh, that that's just <laughs> not what it was like back then. Yeah. Uh, looking, I, I looked up. He was in the brawl for all. Draws was. Yeah, he made it to the semifinals. Oh, cool! Real boxing matches. He lost to Bradshaw. <laughs> well, I mean, who's not going to lose to Bradshaw? <laughs> Yeah, but, so uh, that's the story of, of of puke or draws in Beyond the Mat. Yeah, uh, from also from what I've seen with his uh, with his accident, like the story of it is that like he was wearing like extra loose clothing, so like D'Lo couldn't get a good grip on him, mm. and draws wasn't able to get like the upward momentum that he should have got. Mm. So yeah, it's just like accidents happen. Yeah. So it's like the same thing that happened with uh, Sasha and Paige. Just yeah. 
just fucking happens. Yep. Let's talk a little bit about ECW's role in this, <laughs> and then we'll transition into who ECW was with after that. So they, um, Blaustein follows ECW um, on the night of their first ever pay-per-view. Barely which, legal. Barely legal. What year was that? 97, I think. 97, okay. Yeah, April 13th, 97. So this is a really interesting segment because the way that you see WWF wrestling, usually, now anyway, is the gorilla position, right? The way you see it like from the from the from the like behind the scenes is they're at the gorilla position. There's someone behind yeah. a table in like a curtained off room with a monitor and a headset to talk to all the people out on the floor that have headsets on. Yeah. But obviously, ECW is going to be a little bit different. It's not literally, kind of money. it's literally Paul Heyman and the rest of the talent behind a monitor screaming at the fucking monitor. Yeah, <laughs> it looks it looks really cool for the time. Like that looks awesome. Yeah, I I liked uh, I like the stuff like when they're talking to the fans a little bit. The guys are just like fuck WCW. Fuck oh yeah, WWF WCW is where it's at. Mm-hmm. I was like my friend was like if. It, if we were 20, 30 years ago, we'd be watching this instead of NXT. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Um, ECW is known in retrospect as the company that all the crazy shit happened in, which they totally are. The Some of yeah. the craziest shit in wrestling history has happened there. <laughs> but, like, there's some good-ass wrestling there, too. Like, Rob Van Dam was there, you know? like and yeah. He did crazy uh, shit, but he was just a fucking good wrestler. All the, like, Dean Malenko, Perry Saturn, Jericho, yeah. Rey Mysterio, Eddie, they all worked Benoit, for ECW. all went to ECW. Yeah, they, even Stone if it was Cold went through ECW. Uh-huh. That might have been before Paulie had it, but yeah, he totally nope, did. Nope, that was when Paulie had it, because he... That was... Yeah, because okay. Stone, when Stone Cold ta- has talked about it, it said he knew a Paulie, because when Paulie did manager work with WCW, mm-hmm. he knew Paulie from then, and then he, uh... He, get, he, like, got released, and he was, like, injured? And he's, like, Paul's just like, hey, come for ECW, you can just do promo work. You just work on your promos. Like, that's what yeah. he did in ECW. He just did promo stuff. <laughs> it's, it's really cool. Speaking of promos, I love the, the, the opening shot you get of ECW is, like, Paul Heyman's mom's house. <laughs> yeah. And and he's he's, like, doing VO for the show that's, like gonna be on tv like in his bedroom yeah like with a sound guy and then it cuts to like him in the basement and it it, and it's like his mom doing laundry she's like taking shit out of the dryer and then paul sitting in a chair and then it pans further to the left and there's someone just cutting a promo with an ecw backdrop behind them and it's just like that's crazy like if they can if they could do that then like it's it's impossible to do now uh, other than like twitch and stuff but if the fact that they were able to do that then and they get a deal with the nashville network later on like that's so cool like that is literally from the ground up yeah (laughs) i got a lot of respect for paul Heyman after seeing this documentary like i did before (laughs) a lot of people know him now as just brock lesnar's manager but yeah uh that's that segment was cool and then in in this segment um 
I believe is uh, I think maybe they introduced him a little bit earlier, but in this segment, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Tommy Dreamer has a match with Terry Funk. So I looked up the card for that, and there was there was a, I think a match to determine who would be for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. Um, Terry Funk. Uh, beat the Sandman and Stevie Richards before the main event mm. um, which was Terry Funk beating Raven oh, that sounds like a cool match to become ECW champion because they use ECW to show like stuff with Terry Funk and how like Terry Funk has just constantly done crazy shit <laughs> in his career they show like a bunch of his footage of working in like japan with like c4 barbed wire matches and death matches and stuff and the man mm-hmm. at the filming of this movie he's 53 years old and he like you and i talked about it before recording this like a couple days ago after we had both seen it he doesn't look great like not in like a mean way he looks like tired and worn down there's a scene in the movie where there's a doctor going like, this knee's going to hurt forever, but this knee needs surgery. Uh, the stuff with the doctor is wild. Because, like, he's just like, so am I going to be able to live comfortably without it? And he's just like, I I don't know how, how you can right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's... Stuff with Terry Funk is crazy. Like, I, I love that it shows the Forever promo in this movie. Because, like, I've seen the Forever promo a lot. And, like, in contrast with what's going on in the movie. Where he's, like, not... He's, like, not wanting to retire. And his family's worried about him in these extreme matches. Uh, at his age... And then, you know, it, sh- it playing the Forever promo is, like, harrowing. That he's, like, at one point in his career... And I'm pretty sure the Forever speech was a retirement speech in the 80s. Yeah, probably. I'm pretty sure that was him, like, going, I'm gone, New Japan. Good, or whoever he was, All Japan, whoever he was working for. I'm I, he, I, I'm pretty sure that was, like, I'm out of here. Like, this is, this is it for Terry Funk. And then he just probably started wrestling, like, a month later for someone else. <laughs> And so, he just kept doing that his whole life. Yep. Uh, so I googled his last match. When was it? Let me guess. 2019. October 24th, 2015 against Jerry Lawler. Okay. Lawler won it's... by DQ. Oh, that can't be his last match. Funk announced his retirement at House of Hardcore 17. Funk made another return to the ring on September 22nd, 2017 for big time wrestling in North Carolina. Wrestled the Rock and Roll Express in a six-man tag team match against Doug Gilbert, Jerry Lawler, and Lawler's son. Rest in peace. Huh. That's yeah, so he... This was made in, in the, the late 90s, and he was going like, I need to stop. And he kept wrestling for occasionally for another 15 years. How many times has R- Terry Funk retired? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's it's an interesting look into Terry Funk's life. It is like um, it's. I think it's interesting how putting up the stuff with Terry Funk up against Mick Foley. 
because uh, like uh, Blaustein, you said his favorite wrestler growing up is Terry Funk, which I completely mm-hmm. get it. Because Terry Funk is a guy who was a great technical wrestler who, at at a certain age, he's just like, "Fuck it, let's let's do crazy shit." Like, yeah, I want to jump on fucking light bulbs. Let's do it. Yeah, light bulb, barbed wire, blade all the time. Like, and uh, same with like uh, Mick Foley. Like he he looked up to Terry Funk and he had tons of classic great matches with him and just the interesting thing of terry funk's like he he knows he needs to like the doctor's just like the fact that you can walk right now is incredible but and him just like still not wanting to come out of like completely retire he's like i should because my family's worried like they show the footage of his matches he's covered in blood and like his daughter and his wife are both like terrified and then you put that uh next like up against stuff with Mick Foley who um is coming to similar terms with like I need to slow down because he mm-hmm. realizes how it's affecting his family yeah which is which is a, a a good parallel for the movie to have it's just that Foley got there way sooner than Funk did and yeah. the like the movie the movie conveys there's a lot of like scenes of funk and foley together and they've they had worked together a lot in the late 80s and early 90s in like terrifying hardcore matches yeah like i i don't want to say foley said funk was his favorite wrestler growing up but he like is totally inspired by him absolutely and they're they are friends they're both still with us today and they probably talk semi-regularly because they're both just like funk can't he probably couldn't even do like appearances i imagine is he is terry funk in the wwe hall of fame yeah oh nine good okay (laughs) and foley foley shows up twice a year to put someone over or announce something (laughs) like when they're like this thing's bad we'll take a check to take the heat for it foley (laughs) and foley probably isn't even thinking about the check foley's like I want to. I like Hall of Fame in 2013. Yeah. Uh, so um, we kind of get to Foley or uh, excuse me, uh, Funk's last match, which is like a a weird like multi card show that has people from WWF, ECW, and some other promotion as well. I want to say there were maybe those people weren't quite signed with WWF yet or. Uh, um, had left WWF at the time of that taping, but um, I want to say Foley was there at his last match in his hometown in Texas. And then there's the stuff with with Funk's uh, with Funk's old friend. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Well, I don't remember the I don't remember the man's name. I I I just I I was trying to look up stuff about the event. Um, his name is Dennis Stamp. Um, okay. So... Because he, he was the ref for the main event. Yeah. Because he's, uh... He was friends with, uh... Terry's dad and... Uh, like, Dory Funk and everything. So they were like... And Dory Funk Jr. and stuff. So he, he worked with them a lot. And I, I also like this guy's... I think this guy's uh, appearance works really well with the stuff they have with jake roberts and Mm -hmm. like coco beware 
just these people who oh, the Coco stuff is heartbreaking. Yeah, it's like it's it's uh their time's up, Mike. Mm-hmm. This guy, but they, but they don't feel it yet. They don't yeah. want it to be, especially like this guy. Like I, I do feel bad for this guy because like I feel like he 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 doesn't even. It's not just like. I want to be WWF World Champion, NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, or anything. He just wants to wrestle. But yeah, he's, he said he had wrestled over eight hundred matches. But and yeah. then he and then um, Blaustein was like, "When was your last match?" Off camera, and he was like, "Uh, nineteen ninety two." Yeah, like, dude, it's been like it's been like six years. Yeah, and uh, he's shows him like working out in his backyard, just like jumping on the trampoline. In his underwear. <laughs> Just like, you know, I, he looked like he was doing what I imagined was like, this is the workout you gotta do to be a wrestler back when he, like, got trained. <laughs> yeah, probably. But Some, it was... One it was secret like, trick to make you WWF world champion. <laughs> like, it was... It got to be, uh, like... Like, he... he T- Terry Funk is like, hey man, it'd mean a lot to me if you'd show up. And he's like, I'm not on the card. I'm not on the card. I'm not on the card. I'm not booked. I'm not on the card. I'm not booked. I'm not going to show up if I'm not on the card. Why would I show up if I'm not on the card? And it's just like, your friend is asking you to to be the referee. Yeah. Because he, he, he <laughs> says, like, I wasn't even asked to be the referee. And Terry's like, okay, then I want you to be the referee for the main event. And, like, no one's going to fucking say no to Terry Funk if he's like, yeah, this guy's going to ref the main event. Like, no one's going to do that. Yeah, and uh, what a main event! <laughs> what was that main event? Bret Hart versus Terry Funk. <laughs> this is post Scoojob Bret Hart too. Jesus Christ, that's crazy. Who won that? Oh, you you don't go out on top when you're. Yeah, when that's you're smart. That's smart. Yeah, because Terry going through the crowd afterward, trying to get to his wife and and daughters. That's just. The scene during the ECW main event though was the was the hardest because his his daughters just look scared. Oh, it was an ECW pay per view. Oh, really? Yeah, because I googled. I'm trying to find out what it was exactly. It was ECW WrestleFest '97. I wonder if that's on the network. It is. The match between Bret Hart and Terry Funk is on the network. Crazy. Uh, and also Google. It looks like they had a. Bret Hart and Terry Funk had a hardcore match on WCW. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Oh, man. In 2000. Oh. Yeah, 25 minutes no DQ between Bret Hart and Terry Funk for that final match. Damn. 25 minutes at 50 plus years old. Yeah, that's nuts. <laughs> Um, so like you said, um, stuff with the, what was his name again? The man that refereed the match between Dennis Stamp. Dennis Stamp reminded you of Jake the Snake Roberts. Yeah, because it's just, it's good juxtaposition with the Jake the Snake stuff. Because what Jake the Snake was doing was just making appearances at shitty independent events being the main event because he was on tv at one one time because the the terry ter- the fun stuff with the terry funk is just that like it's just a meme pretty much that he comes out of retirement <laughs> all the yeah. time like 
I'm sure when people saw that in 99, 2000, whenever they saw it for the first time, they were like, damn, I really hope he retires soon, because by then he's pro- he's still wrestling matches, but then he continued to periodically wrestle matches for like 15 years, which, when your knees are that bad, you don't need to wrestle at all. You can get paid for just showing up and waving. So that man really loves wrestling. Um, and I think this quote from Jake Roberts from the movie really puts into perspective like how how they get the like the buzz for this thing for wrestling and how it just becomes like I don't want to say an addiction but like you just love the business you love wrestling yeah Jake Roberts says um, put me on the card let me bring some asses to the seats pay me I don't care if I'm the champ. I don't care if I'm the water boy. Just let me be part of the show. I'll do my share. Like, that's that's pretty indicative of the passion that a lot of the guys have that are focused on in this movie. Yeah. Be- besides, obviously, the guys that are just starting out, because that's kind of like a look in, like, what it's like to get in, what it's like to break in, what it's like to train. But when you follow people like Foley and Roberts and Funk, that's kind of the mentality that they have. Yeah. Is just like I love wrestling. I've been doing this for so long. I'm not gonna stop doing it. Um, New Jack is featured in the uh, in the movie as well. He does show up very briefly. He's, he's it's very brief. It shows um, Blaustein flying him out to L.A. to do uh, auditions for movies. <laughs> which the guy says he's a leading man. The the like I casting believe. guy. <laughs> I believe it too, but how much of that was like, I don't want him to kill me, you know, like, um, New Jack is quoted on saying, it ties into what Robert said, I ain't a 40 hour motherfucker, man, like, (laughs) like it's, it's definitely a combination of like, how much of it is a combination of, um, I'm not really cut out to do a whole lot of other things. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and also, I'm really good at this, and this is really fun to do, and this can pay the bills. Um, but Jake Roberts becomes a cautionary tale on how you can get sucked way too deep into that. Because you're on yeah. the road working. You're working for your whatever federation or promotion you're working for. And you're you're on the road, you know, seven days a week. Yeah. You know, you're on the road 365 days a year. Especially You're the, wrestling like, five nights a week. The schedule they have now is bad, but it was worse. <laughs> worse back then. So what are you going to do? You're going to turn to things to make you feel better. Alcohol, drugs. Yeah. And that's really what the story about Jake Roberts... That's really what the story is about with Jake Roberts and Beyond the Mat is... Someone that was incredible at what they did, but had such a hard upbringing and turned to wrestling to sort of like alleviate that and turn some of that pain into something good in entertainment. But that schedule is just so grueling that it's just going to eventually cause more pain, which is really prevalent in the relationship with his daughter uh, in, in Beyond the Mat. There's a lot of stuff that Jake Roberts said in that documentary I don't really want to repeat on the show. Yeah, there's, like, stuff about his past and stuff, but, like, he does not... The situation with his father, his father and his mother, 
that's horrific. That's terrible. Yeah. Um, the stuff like so what <laughs> there the, there's a thing that was uh it was like there's like people there who who were getting for the show and they're just basically yeah. like I'm not doing this unless you he's like I'm not doing this unless you give me some crack right now like yeah that's yeah. scary there's mm-hmm. they showed these uh, this like family that was excited to see him and then there's like a, a young girl she had to have been like 15 at the oldest at the most maybe she might have even been like 11 or 12 could have just been a tall kid yeah and he like after his match which uh his matches at this point were he does a ddt and he also dumps a snake on you yeah. um he like brings her into the ring lets her hold the snake and like kisses her on the mouth and it's really uncomfortable mm-hmm. he's he's and at he's, the he's at the close to the lowest of the low i would say the lowest of the low for jake roberts is when he goes into isolation and gains 100 pounds uh and there's a there's a certain there's like a really bad like sad wrestling pay-per-view that was like billed as like legends of wrestling and it was just all the old oh, guys yeah and he's like super drunk during it yeah, they talk about that during the Jake Roberts documentary that I've seen and I told you about a long time yeah. ago. They they have footage from that, and the guy who ran that show uh, is interviewed for that. Because yeah. I've seen clips of him, and he's just drunkenly going like, D-D-T, D-D-T. Yeah. Like, it might be a different one, because I know that happened a couple times, but he like yeah. fought the promoter. The promoter was just like in the ring trying to yeah. do like commissioner stuff, like... I gotta call off this match. You're in no shape. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give the whatever to someone else. And he just starts punching the promoter in the face. It's just like Jesus, man. That's it's really a, bad. Uh, you know, with the kid, he says some uh, really gross, bad stuff about her because it's like she's in the middle of nowhere, in Nebraska. So she's this is gonna be the best thing that ever happened to her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I like. Who knows? She could be like a doctor now, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, we don't know what happened to her. And it's it's it, it, he just has such a nihilistic and horrible outlook on life because of the way his life was. Um, I I won't get into the stuff between his mother and his father, but specifically with his father, his father never like loved him or showed any affection towards him. So he he left college after being a pretty good high school student. He left a college education behind to become a wrestler. Because his, his dad was a wrestler and he's like, yeah. I'll make him proud by being as good of a wrestler as he was. If not better, yeah. And being better <laughs> just made his dad hate him more. Yeah. So it's just, it's it's a really fucking sad story. Like We'll, we'll probably talk more about Jake Roberts on another episode of this because i got to find a way for you to watch <laughs> that documentary about him. Because his like... His his dad like they talked to his dad and his dad was like yeah he's oh yeah good kid it's just like he he had some like just like very like empty things to say and like yeah like, for like the hour that they were together they didn't like talk or look at each other once yeah they were just like raking leaves together yeah. just not looking at each other not talking like it's it was horrific and the stuff with his daughter because he wasn't there for his daughter and then when he could be he you know he he still wasn't and yeah so she 
she became a, uh, she was getting her masters. bachelor's in psych masters, masters in psychology yeah. and he says um he says something about like yeah my daughter she's doing her masters in psychology so she's the real freak yeah she's <laughs> like oh, so something that makes it i just looked up how old he he was how old was he he was 44 he looked like he was as old he is now. He looked like he was yeah. in his 60s. Yeah, he did. He looked really bad. <laughs> and not bad in, like, the Terry Funk way where he just looks, like, tired. Where he's, like, hobbling and, like, hardly able to stand up straight and, like, you know, worn down. It's bad in, like, the the bad way, you know? Yeah. Like, the stuff with his daughter was really sad because he's, like, talking to her and, like, she, it, it's, I'm, I'm glad she was, she was, like, straight up with him with everything. She's, like, you, yeah, were, you totally weren't ever was. there. You weren't ever there. I don't, like, we, we have an understanding, but I'm still not exactly comfortable. I want my friends to be there. And then when we do show it happening, it, it says he went back to his room after five minutes. Yeah, he talked to his daughter for five minutes who came out to try to see her or see him mm-hmm. and then just he just gave up after five minutes of being awkward, probably. Yeah. yeah it's, just, it's a shame. I, I, I don't know if his relationship with his daughter ever got better, but I know Jake is Jake is mostly better now. Yeah. He went through DDP yoga. You know what DDP yoga can do. Yep. That can save lives. He's a, he's a manager in AEW right now. Oh, yeah, that's right. I totally what? forgot about that. Was Lance time Archer's. Recording. That's smart. Yeah. <laughs> he Blaustein makes a good point uh, about Roberts and that, like, he probably wasn't ever the best wrestler, but those promos are scary. Yeah, he, he can cut a promo. And, like, they're talking about he has that energy. And when he's talking in this this documentary, it feels like a, uh, like, you can, you get that from that. Like, he's definitely yeah. giving his, probably you get that energy that has, because he wasn't a great athlete. Like, he was okay in a lot of stuff. He was tall and big, but. Yeah. Yeah, I know he was a favorite in, in, in my, my, my siblings constantly talked about Jake the Snake. He also invented like uh, one of the biggest moves in the world. One of the best wrestling moves of all time. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just hard to see that. But I'm yeah. glad I saw the other documentary before this, <laughs> and I'm glad yeah. he's okay. I'm glad he made the change. Uh, yeah, I'm glad he's been DDP doing better awesome. for the last few years. Yeah, it's. It's uh, it's re- it's really good, but it, it's it's a cautionary tale about wrestling back then. Like I was saying, like it, you, a lot of guys wanted to do that, but what it was going to ask from them, I don't know that they were even aware that it was going to cost that much emotionally. <laughs> from Jake the Snake, we kind of move into the two-parter that is. That sandwiches, the, I guess, the, uh, the the Jake story that acts yeah. as the bread. Uh, Mick Foley. Yeah. They, uh... It's... <laughs> How do we open with Foley? Um, they, they show, like, his 
his rough time with uh like hell the hell in a cell match Mm -hmm. that was king of the ring 98 right yes yeah king of the ring 98 um where felt he's he's been taken horrifying bumps his entire career and they also show footage of him as like a teenager as dude the original dude love as like jumping off a roof onto like a pile of mattresses on the ground and like i i like <laughs> stuff when he's like he's at his parents house and he's like hey dad can, can i wrestle with the kids downstairs like, <laughs> what why do you want to wrestle with the kids downstairs it's like it's it's for the movie and he's like looking at the camera grinning <laughs> yeah yeah his dad's like no d- don't don't film it here no don't and he's just like smiling <laughs> and his dad comes out and he's like is is that camera on and Foley's like, no, 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 it's not us. Don't worry. <laughs> and you can see the camera like point to the ground real fast. Yeah. And then like his parents talk about him. There's like he's just a happy, <laughs> just the perfect, <laughs> sweet little boy. And and he just loved wrestling. He's loved wrestling. He always wanted to entertain people. Like, yeah. There's that video of him jumping off like a big ass shed as a kid yeah. onto a bunch of mattresses it's like why the fuck would you do that at like 14 <laughs> like it makes sense at 14 but like at 14 i probably would be like no i don't i won't do that and he was just like all, he didn't even like double take he just did it he didn't well, mcfoley like, didn't have an xbox 360 when he was 14 true <laughs> he had a mcfoley had a um atari 2600 I, I don't know maybe i'd become a wrestler too if i grew up with uh, adventure I was born in 65, so... Eh, yeah, it would have been like Atari. Pong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Adventure. That's that's the stuff I always love when I see stuff with Mick Foley. It's when they show that footage of him being, like, dude love at, like, 19, 20. And when he, like, talks about it, he's like, yeah, I'd go to the bar and I'd feel weird. But if I went to the bar as dude love, I'd have a fun time and, like... Yeah. feel confident people would yeah people would like me and you know like i'd have an audience and have a good time yeah it's it's cool dude to hear that he developed that character at a young age and that character is quite literally in the wwe for hall of fame <laughs> they should put each of mick foley's characters in the hall of fame <laughs> yeah, just, just just induct cactus jack in 2021 and mankind in 2022 and dude yeah. love in 2023 <laughs> Like how, like, uh, certain people, like, in the NWO have multiple rings. Like, Scott Hall has one as Scott Scott Hall slash Razor Ramon, and he's also getting one for NWO. Uh, yeah. Hogan's Flair's in there twice. F- Flair, of course, Flair's in there twice. Uh, like, Booker T twice. Yeah. Like, um, th- it's, like, talking... It's good one talking about like uh, like you said with Terry Funk stuff because Mick Foley is doing scarier and scarier stuff, and they like they show him with his like wife and kids and like he's explained to his kids that like it's scripted. The man in the ring is not trying to hurt me. Yeah, this guy's my friend. Yeah, and they show him. You look like we're fighting. He's he. They show him like playing with his kids. I like the. 
the scene when they're in the hotel and like his son like gets hit in the face or something like accidentally need and he starts bleeding so fully he's just like you gotta mix it with your blood to really make it look bad <laughs> yeah you gotta mix it with your saliva yeah, to make it saliva. look real and then he and then he does it and it looks exactly how it does on fucking tv it's like don't teach you get out to sell blood but they're like six <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I wonder how many times he used that throughout his life. <laughs> oh, if I if I if my dad was Mick Foley, I'd do I'd do that at school. I'd like figure out a way how to like sell that. <laughs> I gotta go home. My nose is broken. Okay. <laughs> Hell yeah, it was a cut under the nose. Yeah, so we follow we follow um, Foley throughout his his time some time with his family and. You know his his wife is is very concerned about things like even like you said things getting like crazier and crazier, and I th- I think at one point she says like the King of the Ring match that you know like I I couldn't stand anymore I you yeah. know I called him afterwards and I was like we cannot do this anymore yeah and they and, like they played because I know the thing with Foley is he's like I still feel fine so. Mm-hmm. It is, and then they do that, and then they show like the audio of him like making a phone call after King of the Ring, because and, he calls Blaustein after yeah, King of the Ring, and he's just rambling about like Cactus Jack. Yeah, <laughs> and he talks. I think he talks in that phone message a little bit about like, did do you think people liked it? Which he does at the end. He does a similar thing at the end of um, uh, the. Was it the Rumble match between him and Rock? Yeah. Um, that is, like, the main focus of Foley's... Of yeah. Foley's segment in Beyond the Mat, which is him being WWF champion in 99, 98? Yeah, going into 99, and he's losing to The Rock. Like, they established that right away, is that he is booked to lose to The Rock. Yeah. And, uh, like... His kids and family are there at at the event. They're ringside. Ringside. And it's an I Quit match. Which, they don't do those often anymore. Because, I don't know, Mm -hmm. Last Man Standing is honestly better. The same thing. Yeah. It looks like the last one in WWE was Cedric Alexander versus Noam Dar on 205 Live. I might have seen that. I do not remember it, though. <laughs> July 2017. Oh, no, I did not see that then. Okay. Yeah. Looks like John Cena's done a lot of I Quit matches. He's done the most of them with the WWF, WWE. Makes sense. So, um... Yeah, so that's just... That's a heavy abuse match. And, like... When they're talking about building up the match, they're basically the way Mick Foley's talking about. It, is like, yeah, I'm gonna do all my stuff right away, and then The Rock's just gonna beat the shit out of me for the rest of it. Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna get the hits in. We're gonna do Sako immediately, and then I'm gonna get fucked up until the match is over, basically, and Rock becomes WWF champion. Yeah, and like, um, the they showed like fans talking about Mankind, and they're just like, no matter what you do, he just gets back up. He's like, he's invincible. He doesn't feel pain. Yeah, and it, it sh- that shows the like, the reason why he does these things is to, because of those people, so they get their money's worth, mm-hmm. because and, they love him for being invincible. 
Yeah. And being crazy. <laughs> and he's going to continue to keep that up so the integrity of the character is intact and the integrity of the the character remains intact then people sitting in the stands feel like I saw a perfect representation of what I believe that character is. Yeah. So my 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 eighty dollars was well spent to be here at Royal Rumble, yeah. In the in the upper bowl. They show like the full promo from The Rock and love love The Rock doing promos. That's always nice. He's it's funny it. that someone's following him beforehand before he goes on to do that, saying part of the promo to him. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like he. I don't know what the relationship there is, but it's like. Uh, from that what person's I think is like that. He, that guy's like a jumping off guy because he was okay. like because he was like saying some stuff to the Rock and the Rock was like bouncing off with that. So yeah, I, I feel like he was getting him warmed up because wasn't as scripted for the promos back then. Yeah, and that I think that's super cool. Yeah, I think that's awesome. <laughs> that's something that's really neat. The Rock like says hi to the kids and stuff, which probably makes it even scarier later because we get yeah. to. Like they they do all the setup for the match. Like, it's I, I wish they would have done a little bit of more stuff. Like I love the stuff with uh, on the Monday Night Wars documentary that the network has. There's stuff where they that make fully talks about how like people in WCW higher ups like you don't even deserve to be here. You're lucky we're letting you be here. You'll never be a champion anywhere. And then they show like him winning the championship, which is what screwed over WCW. Like them giving that away and then people switch over to raw to see the guy that they did not believe in screwing over their company incredible it's incredible (laughs) but um it's him coming out wwf champion and that match and the kids are like having fun cheering for him at the beginning and then the rock handcuffs his hands behind his back and then he grabs the chair and it's just chair shot, chair shot, chair shot, chair These shot. These are to the head, obviously. To the head, like, to the is... front of the head, to the back of the head. Yeah. Not not the, like, uh, hands super, up. super gimmicked way that they do them sometimes, where they, like, use camera angles to look like they hit them in the head, but they actually don't. These are just very yeah. clearly, like, fucking just full force swinging into the back of McFoley's head. He's mm-hmm. busted open, covered in blood. His daughter is screaming, his wife is crying, his son is crying. <laughs> like, and they get up and leave. They don't finish the match sitting yeah, there. Yeah, they cannot be there. They, they go up to the box, and then it yeah. shows them, like, in the box, like, after the match is over. Yeah. And then they, and then they, they kind of go back immediately when the match ends. And yeah. And Mick Foley is just like, no, it's just, it's just a small, small boo-boo. And <laughs> Noel like, no, that's a big one. Yeah, that's a big boo-boo, Dad. And she's like, yeah, it's a good, he's, a, he's a really good dad because he tries to like, he, he, t- he doesn't lie and say like, I'm okay, I'm okay. Yeah, he's but, just like, I'm hurt, but it's not bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna make it, you know. <laughs> yeah. So. He's kind of getting stitched up, and there's guys coming in going like, that was fucking awesome, man. Fuck yeah. And the first thing he says to whoever is around him, he's like, do you think they got their money's worth? Are they happy with that? Yeah. And it's just like, man, that's that's fucking crazy. And then he, Vince comes by, and... Uh, well, or not Vince comes by. I think they go to Vince. He sees Vince before they leave the arena as a family. Yeah. And that's he's the like, what'd you think? Vince won. 
the Royal Rumble. Oh, that's interesting. That's yeah, Vince is getting ready. Yeah, and 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 he's like, "What'd you think?" And and Vince is like, "Um, I think that was great. That was incredible for the character." And 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 Foley's like. You know, if the ratings board has a problem with that, if the parents' associations have a problem with that, they need to look at it, you know, objectively as, like, character work. And it's just, you know, the, the way that he treats his his body of work and the way that he feels about, you know, what he does for a living and his artistry is maintained through 11 chair shots to the head while handcuffed and a, a giant gash on his forehead. <laughs> yeah. Like it's 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 really incredible to see and like the she's, to see him. She's like she's talking. Mick Foley's wife's talking to him. She's like, "What time's our flight tomorrow?" And he says, "Whatever." And there's some like official lady. He's like, "Do you want us to charter you one?" And she's like, "No, yeah. I'm just testing him. Like I'm just I'm saying just making sure okay. that his brain is working, which yeah. is very forward thinking for a, yeah. a a wife of a wrestler <laughs> in 1998. Yeah, or nine, whatever that was. Yeah, that's very forward thinking because. Unfortunately, we haven't started thinking about brains until the last, like, two years because of American football, so... Yeah. And they, like, they end the stuff with Mick Foley by... I don't know how much later it was, but they're at his house, and they're showing him... It was, like, a him, month. They're showing him the footage. Mm-hmm. Of, and he's, of like... Of the documentary, yeah. Yeah. He he watches, like, that, and his kids, like, his kids and wife, like, crying, and he's like, I've never thought of myself as a bad dad until now. Like, I feel really yeah. bad for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's around the time he started to slow down. And it was yes. all just like... It was all just like... Uh, sporadic matches and appearances and things like that after that point. Being a ref. Being a commissioner. Yeah, I know like some of the matches did was like Edge at WrestleMania. And Edge speared him onto a flaming table. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like, which is still dangerous, but it's not chair shots to the head repeated. His his last last like match was the twenty twelve Royal Rumble. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I think he did. I think he did a couple. He did some work in TNA. He beat Ric Flair in his last TNA match. That's incredible. That's yeah. an incredible thing to do <laughs> in a sure. last man standing match. Oh, that's incredible. That makes sense that he would win that. That's smart. Because I know he did, uh, like, uh, he did some, like, hardcore matches against Abyss and some, like, hardcore stuff in TNA as well. But they were, like, super short matches. <laughs> yeah, so it kind of wraps up with letting you know what everyone's done. And, it yeah. says, you know, it says ECW got a TNN contract and McFoley slowed down and Terry Funk retired but then wrestled again, like, a month later. And So um, I, I looked, I found the two indie guys. Um, oh yeah, the uh, Tony Jones, the taller black guy. He did stuff with WWE. He did some jobber appearances. Oh cool. He wrestled Raven on Jacked. Um, he appeared. He wrestled Eugene on Heat. And oh, he jobbed to Gene Snitsky. Okay, remember Snitsky? Yeah. Um, and then the <laughs> other guy. Michael Modest, he he did some like jobber stuff, but he also appeared in um, Ready to Rumble, probably just like extra. Cool, yeah, that's cool. He, he well, yeah, he got a WCW contract. Very cool. 
That's pretty neat. That is cool. I'm glad. I'm glad we have a follow up on them. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't remember how that. I don't remember exactly what the ending was with with Jake. It was just like he's just still. He hasn't talked to his daughter and yeah since that that meeting and. But like I said, we'll talk more about Jake and his uh, his his life and his struggle on another episode, another like version of one of these alternative one shots. Is that the name? Is that the idea? I don't know. We're gonna work through it. Maybe we can get something workshopped. <laughs> Come up with a title for this. Send us the series. twelve digits on the front of your credit card and the nine digits on the back and the expiration date to. T- and for a chance to win at naming what we whatever this is going to be, also your social security number. Okay, not actually. I want to don't do joke. that. <laughs> just a joke. Just a joke. We are kidding. <laughs> um, yeah. So, what do you think will be on the mat overall? How did you feel about that compared to maybe other wrestling docs and just in general? This is good. You, you know, I saw a copy of it at a local thrift store, like. A year ago, and I was like, "Ooh, I should buy that." And I was like, "I'll come back for it." And now I want to go back to that thrift store and see if it's still there. <laughs> Just a copy of it on DVD. It's on Blu-ray as well. Ah, maybe I'll just cop a Blu-ray uh, copy of it. But yeah, it's definitely something I'd like to add to the collection to be able to watch, you know, over and over again. It doesn't have to be on a on a um, streaming service. Because I'd like to pull this off the shelf and watch this maybe once every couple years. Because yeah. you get you get you get on the road stuff with the network, but that's stuff that doesn't show the the like real like personal hardship, right? Hmm. This is this you know, and Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah, that's the real hardship. We definitely need to talk about some Dark Side of the Ring on here. So I'm just looking up stuff. There's all the like promotional stuff has the Rock on it. And I get, I get why, I, I yeah. get why, but <laughs> yeah, I was looking at the poster recent or just now, and it's just like, just, if you just have Foley and Funk on there, there's a special edition that has stuff with uh, Jesse Ventura. Oh, cool! Holy shit! Oh, that movie's called The Resurrection of Jake the Snake from 2015. Ooh, hell yeah! You want to plug anything real quick? Uh, yeah, my Twitter is uh, at Cam Hambone. Uh, I'm tweeting about video games, wrestling, and um, before Jory does it, I am sometimes on Citizen Hank, a King of the Hill discussion podcast, where we talk about uh, King of the Hill, an incredible animated uh, TV series that everyone should watch, Absolutely. and everyone can relate to in some way. <laughs> uh, all of season one is on is it is it on um like what net what, what a podcast uh services are is it on jewelry should be on everything okay yeah and um i enjoy being on lot and i hope to be on more episodes in season two what about you jewelry what do you got to plug uh you can find me on twitter at no i'm jewelry um find screenshots of video games i'm playing that's that's a good recommendation. I do try to do funny, be a funny. Um, on you can find me on multiple podcasts here on the Orange Groves Network. Uh, like I said, Citizen Hank on 
uh, we are watching One Piece. Uh, we're watching One Piece with a friend who's not caught up, but pretty far in it. Uh, we just hit the hat close to the halfway point of what's available right now. Absolute early four hundreds. They're in like the early nine hundreds now. Oh uh-huh. God. And uh, there's also um, on the Patreon right now there is a special Champs in the Making edition which Cameron was on where there's like oh yeah there's like I can't remember how many of us on it's there. like a ten or eleven people yeah ten or eleven people all yelling about Pokemon for like thirty forty five minutes <laughs> I think I said one of the Pokemon looks like a dessert I'm pretty sure you did don't eat your <laughs> don't eat your Pokemon kids. <laughs> But, uh, and, yeah, that's, I, I was also on, uh, the Fallout Boy podcast here on the network, which is Sugar We're Going Down podcasting, talked about Carpal Tunnel of Love, which is a, the reason, one of the reasons I picked it is because it has Happy Tree Friends as the music video, and Fallout Boy shows up as Happy Tree Friends Quitters, and, of course, they get killed. What the fuck? Okay. 2007 was an incredible year. I'm just assuming that's when it was. Yep, 2007. Yep, wow. Uh, I know my height of Happy Tree Friends. <laughs> and Not that the, I watched uh, it ever. But. Height of uh, Fall Out Boy being good. Yeah. Yeah, 2007 seems like that. I'd, I I didn't really follow them, but they were sure on the radio a lot around then. Sure were. Ah, yes. And uh, if you want great podcast content, check out whatever the orange groves has to offer all of it yeah we just Lots got a, a, a new yet. podcast on the network about the marmoset chronicles you know that classic movie series that we all grew up <gasps> watching and so many people everywhere have talked about it but we're getting a brand new perspective on it that i think is great i have an incredible story about the marmoset chronicles growing up my uncle actually took me to see one of those in theaters it was the most incredible theater watching experience I've ever had in my life. Um, it really, it really drives me in all the work I do today to hopefully be able to create and be a part of like something that big. It's such like a cultural touchstone for many of us who like to yeah. uh, talk about media online. So I'm glad we we have some of that representation here on the network. I really hope uh, Marmoset Chronicles license gets gets a. Uh, snatched up by someone to make an incredible triple-A video game soon. Like, that's a universe I'd love to explore in a video game. Absolutely. And, um... I, yeah, I think that's the latest for, like, the newest stuff on the network, so... So, until next time, when we talk about, I want to say, The Wrestler. That's probably a good idea. That's the the wrestler is very clearly inspired by a lot of the stories in Beyond the Mat, so it makes sense to go right to that. Yep. Uh, Mickey Rourke, here we come. <laughs> Mickey Rourke versus Roman Reigns to headline <laughs> Met WrestleMania 37. Do I have to play the bouncer to know what happens in the? God <laughs> fucking damn it! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>